From the fifth chapter of Matthew, I choose for the text verse 4. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Amen. So there's a part for us to play. For well, we know that our salvation is of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Just the free grace of God and his mercy toward us. But when it comes down to getting the blessings God would give us, we must open our hearts, we must believe, we must be ready, and we must be desirous of having those blessings. We come here from the east and from the west, from the north and the south, from across the Atlantic, Norway, from across the Pacific, Korea, from the Caribbean, St. Thomas, from Brooklyn, New York to Los Angeles, from Atlanta, Georgia to Seattle, Washington, from the rocky shores of Newfoundland, eastern Canada to Vancouver, B.C. and western Canada. We've come from near and far, and if we've come for the right purpose, we will receive of God what he would give us. Amen. And that would be enough. That would be what we want. But we must set our aim on this to say we are going to open our hearts and qualify to have God speak to us, and then expect God to give us grace to do what God prompts us to do that we might truly have the blessing God would give us. We can concentrate on less important things. It's easy to do. But the all important is the spiritual side of our lives because in every one of us there's that part that can't be satisfied by material things, by pleasures, by employment, by associations of human company. It takes the presence of the Almighty God to satisfy that innermost po point there it can only be touched by him. So let's concentrate on the all-important and say by God's grace and God's help, we will let him do that important thing. Once you have God's will for your life, you have eternal gratitude in your heart because you have truly received an eternal benefit in the mercy and love of God. Oh, the love of God. There's much said about showing love these days. So much of it is shallow, so much of it is just so much talk, and so much passion, or so much getting by with what they get by with. But now, God wants us to be a beneficiary of the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. No greater love than can man, can anyone help, than the love Jesus Christ manifested by giving himself. Yes, it's true enough that we have love for our families and love for each other, but this Christian love, and of all things, God's love toward us, then our benefit of being loving toward each other is God-given. It is not something we just work up or decide we'll do. No, it has to come from God, but God is here today at this camp meeting to do that for us. Camp meetings have been held on this very spot where you sit this morning since 1920. That's a long time ago. 1920. There was straw on the floor. There was a tent over your head, over the heads of those who were here then. They're gone, of course, by now, most of them. But nevertheless, it's true today that God wants to bless us as we gather here in this modern place 
as he did them a long time ago. And we don't want to just calculate the blessings that have gone by. We want to look for and strive for those blessings yet to come. Because they will come if we let God do it. God's love is the ultimate. His son's death on Calvary was the price paid for our salvation. Thank God for it. We have no need to be ashamed of the gospel because of its demands upon us. Some are. Some people are ashamed because we preach repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus Christ did it. John the Baptist did it before. What better example do we have to herald out a message from God to man than to follow the pattern that we have in the Bible of what Jesus said. So don't be ashamed of true repentance, of tears you feel when you are convicted for sin, of a desire you have to pray and unload that burden somewhere in a private place or an altar prayer or on the street or in your home. You have something there to unload because all of sin and comes short of the glory of God. And the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, and His Word tells us what it is. It's God's dealing with us in mercy that we might come to salvation. So don't be ashamed of the old-fashioned way of repentance. Don't be ashamed of the fact that in our church we have an altar where people can kneel and pray until their hearts are satisfied, until their mind is set on the fact that they have found what they look for, and that was forgiveness for sin, salvation, from the Lord Jesus Christ. So don't be ashamed. This is not a flash in the pan experience. Some people's religion is like that. They call it summertime revival religion, camp meeting religion. Just a flash in the pan for a while and it's over. No, it need not be. It can be a lasting one. It can be one starting here this very morning and going on and onward until Jesus calls us home. So let's look for that. Not the temporary, not just the blessing, not just the effervescence of the moment, but no, to have the blessing of God settling down, becoming a part of us, giving us that something deep in our own soul that'll be good for now and good until the Lord calls us. It can be and it will be if we let God do it. But there's a cost to pay. Don't be ashamed of that. Don't be ashamed of the demands that God makes upon your life because he demands that you repent of your sin. Repent of your sin. Be sorry you've sinned. Confess you're a sinner. Ask God to have mercy upon you for Christ's sake. Don't be ashamed of that. That is the gospel. Anything less than that is climbing up some other way. If we climb up some other way than through that name of Jesus Christ, we're branded as thieves and robbers. But if we do it God's way and come His way, we are safe in the arms of the Lord who receives us because to as many as He receives, He gives them power to overcome just as surely as God's word is true. We come to him as we are, but he does not leave us as we were. We become new creatures in Christ Jesus. Anything less than that is not the real gospel. The real gospel is a conversion experience from a sinner to a saint, all by God's grace and God's power, but a work of God in the human hearts, and anything less than that will not do. We aren't looking for substitutes. We aren't looking for something to get, just get by. Brother Bill Cripps testifies, in his testimony many times, he said he, if he could only just have a get-by here and make heaven his home, it'd be worth it all. It would be, but in a spiritual sense, we aren't looking for get-bys, we're looking for an abundant entrance in. Looking for a door to open when we get there and hear God say, well done, that good and faithful servant, you've been faithful over a few things. So we must set our mind on that. The gospel includes commitment. That means that we have to give of ourselves or else we will get nothing. 
Now, we know, of course, it's free and all of grace and all of that. But how can you approach a holy God without being sorry for your sin and saying, I'll leave it behind me? How can you approach a holy God and not say you'll serve him when you know that Jesus Christ gave himself in service and in commitment and in sacrifice on the cross of Calvary? So if God calls us, then we must, in humility before God, say we will do what we can, as little as it is, but we will serve you. Anything less than is promising God will serve him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength will not pass. We must give it all. It is all or nothing. Oh, thank God for that. But it works, it works, it works. Yes, it does. We want the real gospel and not a substitute. There are substitutes around. They've been around a long time. From the time of Paul the Apostle, he warned the people in Galatians. Listen to what he said. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Paul the Apostle said that in the first chapter of Galatians. People right there, about as soon as the Lord had gone into heaven, and Paul the Apostle was preaching the gospel, they had already found something that was a substitute for what they had heard before. Jesus Christ had spoken, and he arose from the dead as well, ascended into heaven. And now Paul the Apostle says, it amazes me that some people have left the real gospel and go out for another, and listen to what it says next, for another gospel, he says, but the next verse says, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But listen to the next two verses. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which ye have preached, we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. No sympathy, no cooperation, no fiddling with it, no saying, yes, it's okay, it's about the same. It's not about the same. Another gospel is no gospel. And Paul the apostle said that. He said, I marvel that you let a substitute take the place of the real. Oh, people, we want the old-time fire, the old-time gospel, the whole gospel and nothing but the gospel. And if we want that, God will give it. He will this very hour, this very camp meeting. Read the next verse. As we said before, Paul's words again, as we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. I wonder why he said it twice. There must have been a double purpose there, that he might get the point and keep the point. Amen. It's a serious thing not to humble yourself before God and walk in the light of the gospel. Amen. Know the truth and follow the truth. It's not enough to have it in your head. You must have it in your heart. It must become a part of your life, of your being, your desire, and your functions all the time. It must be that God is there, and if you have it, God will be glorified. You'll thank God for it. Paul the Apostle who said these words about warning them about false doctrine, he had a revelation himself from heaven. It didn't start out with just a flash in the pan. This one was a bright one and a big one, more than other people have had. But it was something that started and finished. Not just flashed and over and all. Not just a moment and forgotten. Not for a little while and then fade out and, and compromise. No, no. He found something that he gave his life to. And that's what God calls us to. Nothing less, all of us. He calls us to give our lives to him. You might be in the factory. You might be on the job or in the office. You might be in the schoolroom or wherever you are. But remember, that's to earn your bread and butter. Their main calling from heaven is not for the bread and butter. It's provided. God provides and blesses your efforts to get it. But the main overriding call is to serve God, to honor him in all we do, in our labor, in our work, in our associations, and everywhere we go. 
that our lives might speak forth the truth of the fact that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Oh, thank God for that. Aren't you glad you're saved? Oh, what a promise it is that God will meet with us here on the campground. How many of you people were saved in this building? Raise your hand. Look at that. Hundreds of people that were saved right here during this camp meeting or that camp meeting years ago or whatever. But listen, they found that reality not by chasing this or that. They were chasing what they know God would have them follow. And that was they'd heard that still small voice from heaven telling them, this is the way, walk ye in it. They found that urge and that feeling that they must do it, and they did it. And God satisfied their heart by giving them the assurance from heaven that they were changed by the power of God. And long time ago, they might have uh, been saved. But now here on this first day of 1933 camp meeting, they raise their hand and say, I was saved in this building. Even that's a testimony the world's never seen. The world doesn't know anything about that, but thank God we found it here. Oh, Paul had that revelation of that light from heaven. He was a terrible man, religious as you can, as you can get. He really had the religion on board. He profited among his, above his peers in his religion. He'd been educated very well, all of that. He had position before the men and women of the country. But one thing he didn't have was the reality from heaven. He had, he had knowledge and all of that he had, but not the touch of the master. But Jesus Christ touched him. A light from heaven shone. He fell to the ground blinded on that desert floor and said, Who is it, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Yes. He said, What will you have me do? He said, Arise, go into Damascus. It will be shown you there what you must do, the things you must suffer for me. And Paul suffered yes. shipwreck, beatings, scourgings, stoned and left for dead, all of that. False accusations by false brethren. All of that he had and a lot more he didn't even mention. But one thing is true. He just held on his, on his way. In the end came. He said, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. He says, there is therefore a crown of righteousness laid up for me. And not for me only, but for all them also, all them also who love his appearing. If we are looking for the Lord to come, expecting God to come any moment, to Jesus Christ to come any moment, let's expect the Lord to help us have that same attitude. Not to be beset by the trials and temptations and all the problems of life, but to praise God for the fact we found the gospel and we found it and we aim to retain it. There's victory for everyone who gets this. Not just a spasmodic and a, a temporary arrangement to feel better. No, no, there's victory over all the vicissitudes of life and all the powers of the devil, all the temptations that come your way. There's power in Jesus. He has given us power, victory over all the powers of the devil if we'll just believe it. Thank God for it. The just shall live by faith, Hebrews 10.38 says. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Amen. There's our part. They have to have faith in God. There's two, two ways this faith goes. We have faith in God, what God will do for us. We have faith in what God has promised and has done already. And we have to believe as we fo follow on that God who started out to do a good work in us will accomplish it. He will finish it. He will not start something and not finish it. Amen. Oh, we do that. We plant gardens and they go to the weeds. We, we try to fix up something and never get it fixed. But God doesn't do that. No. God does everything perfectly and f finishes it if we let him. Amen. But when he deals with us as human mortals, he has our free will to deal with. Yes. He gave us that so we have the choices. Now we must let that free will fit into God's plan when we hear his promptings and hear the truth. 
then we say, I'm going to make my will comply with God's will. And in doing that, we have victory. Victory now and victory tomorrow and victory until Jesus comes. God cannot fail. Yes, we are not of those who draw back unto perdition. Notice that. But we are not of those who draw back unto perdition. When you draw back, you're drawing on dangerous territory. You may never get back again. You never have no promise of that because you promised the light, the call, and God's mercy. He's enlightened every man that comes into the world. But if you refuse that darkness, how great is that darkness? But we are not of them who draw back. We are at camp meeting. We came here for a spiritual purpose. We came here to pray and pray, praise, testify, sing. Oh, but to pray that God from heaven might shower us with blessings and he'll do it if we will but let him. We can't draw back. But we are not of those who draw back. Many have. You know and I know. Many people who started out but stopped. Who said, said a lot of things at the beginning. They might have been a flash in the pan at the time they started. But it didn't last. Brother Jack Robinson, pioneer pastor, a minister of our churches, used to say, he said, if you finish this course, everyone will know you started. Amen. Everyone will know you started if you finish it. He also said that it, it takes a real live fish to flow upstream, to go against the tides of this whole world, to resist the devil. He said, any old dead fish can flow downstream. We don't want to flow downward. We want to press onward, upward toward that city. Well, we are like Abraham. He looked for a city which had foundations whose builder and maker was God. That's our purpose. Not just to enjoy ourselves and the fellowship of God's people. We do that, but that's not the ultimate. That's just a little foretaste of that yet to come because we'll rejoice in heaven forever and forever and forever be with the Lord. Oh, thank, thank God. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed this under perdition. We don't want to be a part of that falling away, Amen. but we well can be. It's up to us to resist the, the feeling that comes over the world. You can feel it everywhere and everything. The powers of hell are loose. Immorality is the norm of the day now, but not for us. We have found the absolutes of the Bible. We have found what God says is right and what God says is wrong. We stand for that and believe that, and we want to live by it, and die by it if need be, because that will be the finish. The finish will be when we get inside the gates, and not before. And we needn't brag about what we're going to do. We know what we're going to do. The Spirit, but listen, God is calling us yet. The Spirit and the bride say come. We read that in Revelation. The Spirit and the bride say come. And listen, and let him that heareth say come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. That was said here in 1920. That was said in 1930, 1940, 1938. When I came here the first time and heard the preaching from this pulpit. Oh, the pulpit was out there a little ways. This platform has been shoved back. But the same walls around here heard the preaching on that day. And they said then, you can have that thirst satisfied. You can pray at these altars and God will satisfy you. You'll know the work is done. And I did it myself in this very building. Oh, what a day that was. No wonder when I came in this morning, heard the music going, saw the people gathering in here. No wonder I felt rejoicing because I had the chance to come here again, to be here again in this tabernacle and to hear the praises of God's people and to praise the Lord forevermore. Oh, thank God. You can come in this building when you folks are all gone home and this thing is cold and the dust begins to settle down. 
and the fall and whatever. You can walk through here by yourself. You can feel the Spirit of God here. Don't you doubt my word. Try it for yourself. Come sometime. Just walk in here and you'll know this is a holy ground. Not because it's just because we live here. No, not because we worship here. But because God has blessed this place. And thanks be to God for it. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Camp meetings are out of mode now. Who else has camp meetings? Who else has revival services? Who else has evangelistic campaigns to try to get the sinner converted? No, it's a different style now. A different message, but that's another voice. We want to follow that voice that came first with Jesus Christ by saying, Repent, for the kingdom of hell is at hand. And then a follow on through with that and until we see people saved. <coughs> so we've come. We've come from the east and from the west, the north and the south. We join together in one plan, in one purpose. That is to benefit by it. Now, let us benefit by it. Amen. We are here, now let us hear it. Yes. We are here, now let us do it. Amen. Let us believe it with all of our heart, doubting nothing but believing. And if we do that, we'll be able to respond and say, with a hearty amen, I know it, and I know it's for me, and I know I belong in the center of God's will, and I'll just bring myself in where God can bless me. You can be saved this very morning. If you aren't saved already, you can leave here knowing that you have been touched by the power of God. You can have a witness of God's Spirit to your own spirit that you've been born again. You can have it, no doubt about it. Anything less than that is not conversion. Or if you're already saved, you can be sanctified this morning. A second application of the blood, purified within and without by the second touch. That second experience being sanctified by the blood of Jesus. It can be yours. That was said here in 1920. It's been said every year since. And we must keep on saying that until Jesus comes. Because that is a part of the message. You can be baptized of the Holy Ghost and fire. As they were on the day of Pentecost. And if you're saved and sanctified. You should have a natural hunger to have that. And if you don't have the natural hunger. There's something wrong somewhere. So ask God to give you that hunger. That you might have the whole armor. The baptism of the Holy Ghost. Our church was established on that very doctrine. Sister Crawford, Florence Crawford. Her boost picture back there on that wall. She came here Christmas Day 196 for a one express purpose. That was to bring the light of this Lateran gospel to Portland, Oregon. And it began with uh, her efforts and other people with her to preach the gospel, everlasting gospel, the Lateran gospel. And people heard it and came from near and far. Some to fight and to find faults and to try to tear it apart. Some to try to take it over and discourage her in many ways. But she said, no, no, you can tear this right arm from my body. Or you could take my life, but you won't take my faith. Her purpose was to be true to what God had given her. And she came and she did it. And she died at 63 years of age. She'd been 29 years from the time she came here till she died. But she kept on holding on and God honored it. Thanks be to God. A lot of time has gone by since then. Oh, yes, the years have sped by so fast. But one thing is sure, God hasn't changed. The gospel is still the same as it always was. Oh, thank God. We're here to make the most of this camp meeting. I even hear sometimes on the radio, I hear simple people making kind of snide remarks about evangelism or about camp meetings like that. Oh, wait a minute. Let's don't talk always about the camp meetings that have been. Let's talk about the camp meeting that now is. Let's expect that this can be one of those they talk about in the days to come, if Jesus tarries, about that camp meeting in 1993. Oh, what a day it can be. You've heard me say 1938 so many times you're tired of hearing it, and I know that. But that doesn't matter. I'm not tired of rejoicing about the fact God gave me the grace to repent, and I believe God can do it for you. I know He can. I know He will. He's no respecter of persons. 
what he does for one, he'll do for another if we'll but let him. So thanks be to God for the hope we have. Yes, we're going on the march, and the waters are troubled, but now we must step into the waters. People have prayed by the hour. In Nigeria and different places, they send word about they have special prayer meetings for our Portland camp meeting weeks ahead of time. And God bless them for their efforts and for their prayers. And from the branch churches around this country in the east and the west, everywhere, they're praying. Looking this way today, they prayed. God's heard their prayers. Now God's going to answer the waters of trouble if we can get in. Maybe you have a trouble getting in. Maybe you say, I, I just can't make it. There was a man like that at the pool of Bethesda. The waters there were troubled every so often. And the first one in the water after the troubling of those waters was healed of whatever ailment he had. This man had come there for 28 years, unable to get in. No one would help him. Someone step in first and he would be left. But Jesus came to the pool. Jesus came to the pool of Bethesda. And oh, what a day that was. Yes, what was the trouble? Jesus Christ is no trouble. He came there outside the water, standing by the waters. He said to that man, rise up, take that bed you're on and walk. And he did it. Oh, today, the waters are troubled. You can get inside. You can step inside those waters today and say, others did, and I will. I've heard about it. I believe it, and I'm going to have it. If you have that purpose today, you'll leave here shouting the victory. And what you'll be saying in the days to come is July 4th, 1993 was a banner day of my whole life. Even to be saved, yes, you'd say it. To be sanctified, you'd remember it. To be baptized with the Holy Ghost, you'd say, yes, that was the day. Or whatever you need. God is here to do it, but we must step inside the water. Oh, thanks be to God. Listen to this from Isaiah 40. Hast thou not heard? Hast thou not, hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. Amen. There is no searching of his understanding. Amen. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he Increases strength. Amen. Even the youth shall faint, if they trust in their own youth, and shall be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Amen. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Amen. Amen. We're here now. Let's expect God to move in to help us as we pray today that the powers of heaven will open up and the glory of God will fall down in this camp meeting. We'll have a time like we've never had before. It can happen. Oh, I know that odds are against us as far as the way people act and the way people, what people talk, but that's, we aren't playing the odds at all. We're no gamblers at all. We are a hold of a sure thing. We have something we know and we've proved it, and we know God will undertake for you. So today, pray. Let God have his way. Pray hard. Pray in faith and believe God. Make this whole camp meeting one of prayer and dedication, consecration. And if you do, you'll look back and talk about that camp meeting. Oh, what a camp meeting. Then you'll know what we talk about when we talk about days when God blessed us. Thanks be to God. We're going to close. Have an altar service. It's time to pray. We'll sing 165. And as we do, the altar's open. Come to pray.